What's up, everything? Three series have been decided, while the most important one is on the line as we speak. The final four will feature at least three teams who have never won before, but will one of them take home the Stanley Cup, or will the Lightning strike twice? We'll also discuss some ideas for the Blues and Trades, and we'll touch on so much more. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! everyone this is the two guys no cup podcast we are coming to you not live but live to tape i guess from our palatial studio on the isle of martinique in the lesser antilles in the eastern caribbean sea (laughs) (laughs) how are you doing tonight ian it's very humid here probably probably you're probably right uh did you know that martinique is also the former home of the famed pirate bartholomew rogers no, I didn't even know. There we go. He existed. I don't know if he's the Jolly Roger oh. or if they're all Jolly Rogers, but in any case. You had a look on you your go. face like I should know what oh, it was you no, were no, talking no, no, about. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> there just isn't that much going on in Martinique. <laughs> uh, we are coming to you on May 10th, the night of Game 7 of the Jets predators series which was delayed i found out today there's the chiming of the bell that signifies that you have to get crazy drunk it was delayed i found out today by a justin timberlake concert what is wrong with you nhl have some self-respect and first of all how are you allowing things to be scheduled right in the middle of the playoffs bridgestone arena come on do better we're starting uh, off real angry. Yeah, yeah. The NHL, we're gonna we're gonna get on them a couple of times tonight. I can tell you about that. Uh, and speaking of the NHL, uh, we did a rankum segment last week mm. uh, with various uh, pests and insects and stinging creatures, and I thought it was fun. I don't know if anyone else did, but I did. So I thought I'd bring it back today, except uh, (laughs) this time, instead of being inspired by the Steve Dangle podcast, I was inspired by uh, the 31 Thoughts podcast and their discussion of Brad Marchand's uh, licking problem, Mm -hmm. I guess. It's It's happened twice now, so it's a problem. It's definitely a problem if you're Leo Komarov or Ryan Callahan. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which is probably none of you, uh, Brad Marchand, who had plenty of weird and just downright nasty and rotten things to his name to begin with, has started licking his opponents as, I guess, a psych-out maneuver, mm-hmm. but mostly just a gross maneuver. <laughs> and unlike in Pokemon, there is no risk of it causing paralysis, except for gross paralysis. <laughs> Uh, and Jeff and Elliot had a conversation on the podcast where Jeff was saying, wrongly, I might add, that aren't we maybe making a little bit too much of this with all the stuff that goes on on the ice? Shouldn't we honestly just kind of realize that this is goofy and silly and and 
you know, nothing or whatever. And Elliot, correctly, I might add, no, <laughs> not to foreshadow your vote, no, uh, just countered by saying that is somewhat true, but at the same time, this is real gross. And his broader point was basically, if you're in hockey, you sign up for the big hits and the chirps and mm-hmm. the, you know, cross ch- checks and whatever. You don't necessarily sign up to be licked Underneath your nose by Brad Marchand. He probably got some tooth in there. He got so, right under his I'm lip. sure he did. It was gross. It was gross, 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 gross. Uh, the the one against Komarov, I think there was longer tongue to skin contact, but it <laughs> it was in a less sensitive. I mean, it was just on the cheek, which is a little less creepy. The one against Callahan was real gross. So, uh, <laughs> Friedman suggested on the podcast that people should tweet into him ranking uh, which of those things they'd like to have least. And we put a poll online about the three things that you'd like to have least, but I added two more. The three original ones were uh, Brad Marchand, or I suppose anyone else, licking your face, Mm -hmm. uh, a spear, uh, a spearing to the place that you don't want to be speared the most, mm-hmm. the genitalia, as they say, <laughs> uh, and a hard hit, you know, a typical kind of hard, jarring hockey hit, possibly to the head, possibly with concussive force, but not necessarily. Uh, I added uh, stamcosing the goalpost, not in the sense that your leg snaps in half necessarily, but just that, that kind of a play. Uh, or... Steve Ottering into the boards, which again, not doing the splits in this case, but just sliding real hard into the board. Rank them, Ian. What's your top five? From five being this would be the first of those things that I'd take to one being this would be the last of those things I'd take. Oh, my! I think mine's kind of easy to start. I don't think the licking thing is acceptable, but I also find it just kind of like humorous more than anything. So I'll take the lick first. They can lick me all night long. You can figure out how many licks it takes to get to the center of me. (laughs) Um, Very few. Uh, (laughs) One of the other ones. Okay. So you're putting the lick fifth. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I'll take that first. Okay. And then probably a hard, Oh, God. Probably a hard hit to the nuts is, like, four. Interesting. Okay. I'm probably ranking them. In, I've, uh, okay. Then maybe, I've never broken anything. I've broken a finger. Maybe a Stamkos. It kind of, like, slide into the, into the so post. So you're not definitely going to break something in any of these scenarios, in my opinion, oh, okay. for the purpose of this poll. But that's what he did. kind of taking your chances. I get it. I added it. I make the rules the two, thi- the two things you picked were both, like, terrible injuries. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I guess I'll, I'll take the concussion second. Like, But the first thing I'm not taking is doing the splits into, into the, the boards. Board. That's number one. Well, if it's the split specifically, what about if it's just sliding hard into the board? Uh, then I guess I put concussion first. Okay. Well, Concussion's just on my on you're my mind. Dead wrong. <laughs> I'm putting the lick 
first. First? I don't know. I think I think this is a situation where in my head I'm like, no, for sure that's the grossest. I think and, we're different people. And in my well, like I, but the weird thing is I'm not a super germaphobe, but I th- I really th- I really think what it is was if somebody did that, like. I'm a pretty calm person, I think, most of the time. But when I feel I've been disrespected, I can just, like, see red (laughs) and go into the bad place. And I feel like that would be what would happen if Brad Marchand licked me. And I think one of us would die as a result of that. So taking the 50-50 chance that it's me, I think that's the highest risk of (laughs) harm here. Uh, no, I think you're probably right that it should be last, but I don't want it to be. I want it to be first because that's more fun. Uh, I think first or least for me is the slide into the boards. Not, not groin first. Obviously, that would be much higher. <laughs> but I, people slide into the boards all the time and they're usually fine and they get up and that's fine. Uh, spearing to the, to the nuts, I feel like fourth. Is that where you put that fourth? Yeah. Because like... Unless you have a subdermal hematoma from it. Thanks, Yachty. Uh, for those of you who who might not be of the male persuasion and listen to this, which, who knows, there could be some. Uh, it's very painful to get hit in that region, but it does wear off usually pretty quickly. And there's enough equipment going on in hockey that it might not even be as painful in that situation. Uh, then I'm 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 putting the hard shot, and then the the post that that is not no that's bad. Uh, so there you go. There's our rankum for this week. We're moving on because Ian's cringing a lot. When when just listen for the scuffle that happens, and I lean across and try and lick Stephen mm-hmm. later halfway through the podcast. That's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You'll know. You'll so, know when you hear it. So um. The of all those things, the the sixth thing I legitimately thought about putting on the list about uh, what would be the worst fate you could endure in hockey mm-hmm. was playing for the New York Islanders, which Bang. is a wonderful <laughs> segue to our new favorite returning segment, Tavares Watch Twenty Eighteen. We have anything to say? A little bit. Uh, We're starting out by saying that on the 31 Thoughts podcast, which basically just is our podcast (laughs) now, uh, they talked for a while about how the Sharks might be a good fit, which isn't news, but he does have a good discussion on there, so check it out uh, if you want to listen to I'm not going to say a better hockey podcast because we're clearly superior. It's just another But a different one. Just a different flavor. Uh, With a guy that has a name and once screwed up a swimming call, which I think is the biggest thing about Elliot Freeman that you need to know. And we did not screw up. Neither of us have ever bungled an Olympic gold medal call. That's that's Not on for my sure. Resume. So, uh, but when they later in the episode, uh, <laughs> they, they were talking about a couple of different teams. He is, and they said uh, St. Louis will be interesting. I think they'll be in the Tavares conversation too. Which again, not exactly news, but it's nice to hear Elliot Friedman say that. Um, I think maybe the most interesting piece of news that could not be news at all this week has to do with the fact that the name Lou Lamorello is circulating for some reason as a guy that's possibly joining the Islanders front office. 
apparently, even though it's been the plan for him to take an advisory role in the Maple Leafs organization for month for years, he now doesn't want to do that. So um, he's looking at possibly the Islanders as a fit, uh, possibly taking over one of Garth Snow's technical jobs. I think he's technically president and general manager or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how he got promoted because you assume he started at GM and then never won anything and then somehow got promoted to president <laughs> and GM. But I digress. Um so Lou Lamb would be taking a role there. Uh, it's possible that that does something with the respect that he brings in uh, to lure in Tavares, but I don't know. It seems to be kind of a stretch mm-hmm. to me. I know that's one of the narratives being thrown out there, but what do you think about Lou Lamorello and the possibility of coming to Tavares? I mean, to the island. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not coming to Tavares because Tavares is leaving. I think still, but I think the Lou Lamorello. You don't think the idea of a general manager that could literally die at any time during John Tavares's <laughs> ten-year contract is appealing to him? I was going to say seventy-five is not that old, but I guess it's it's old, old. enough to die. <laughs> <laughs> let's call it let's call it advanced age, as people like to say. I think hiring Lou Lamorella if he goes to the Islanders, which I think his son works in the organization, so there's kind of like a family connection. He would be there almost as like a little band-aid when they lose Tavares. You've got Matthew Barzell. You've got two first-round picks this year, back-to-back, I think pick 11 and 12 or something. And then you've got Lou Lamorella, who's going to, you know, supposedly right the ship in uh, on the island. And that's going to help you swallow the hard pill that is John Tavares leaving? I don't think it would if I were an Islanders fan, but it might. It might help me think that there's a future. There's yeah. not, the sun hasn't set on my franchise, <laughs> because that's certainly what it would feel like. So I think it's good that the Islanders would acquire Lamorello. I don't know. I don't think Toronto really cares if he leaves. I think they'd like him there as a senior advisor but they've got enough of a front office and different people in different capacities that have had plenty of experience that they don't need him there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just don't think that organization knows what it's doing particularly. So, And maybe he can help with that. You maybe, know? maybe. This might be the one right move the Islanders make in a long time. I mean, it's, time. it's one of those things where it's like, obviously, Lou Lamorello did good things in New Jersey. There's no denying that. But do you look, you look at... What they what they accomplished while he was there in Tampa Bay, and you're like, okay, so he won the Austin Matthews lottery and oh, picked Toronto. the same person that, or yeah, I said sorry, Tampa I was Bay, like, sorry. where? No, you're right, uh, and picked the same person that everyone else would oh, have picked, yeah, you for know. Sure. And he also signed the Lucic deal or the Marlowe deal, which isn't terrible, but isn't great. Mm-hmm. I don't think for them. Well, I think on the uh, Steve Dangle podcast they mentioned a bunch of different moves that have helped set the Leafs up that were going on before Lou Lamarillo was ever there. You know, a Marner pick, um, Nylander pick, a bunch of other different picks they've had, a couple of different trades they've made have all been prior to Lou Lamarillo showing up. So they definitely don't need him yeah, decision-wise. Exactly. Yeah, I, and so I just wonder if that's going to carry over to New York if he goes yeah. there. Like, does he... Do get anything? credit for doing anything, <laughs> or does he just kind of be a figurehead there? That's a good point. Uh, I guess only time will tell on that one. Um, 
the uh, Arthur Staple, who's the athletics writer for New York, says, All signs still point to Tavares heading into the five-day contact window with other clubs from June 25 to 30, which I thought was supposed to be contract, but it is actually supposed <laughs> to be contact. Uh, so the Islanders will, in all likelihood, head to the draft floor with no idea whether their captain intends to stay or leave. One thing is for sure, it's still a strange, tense time on the island. Um, and then Kevin Kurz, the Sharks athletic writer, added, well, not added, it was a different article. He wasn't <laughs> like, yeah, I think. Uh, he said, unlike last summer, the Sharks are expected to use their salary cap space over the course of the next few months. Should Islanders, Should the Islanders... Oh, excuse me. Should Islanders center uh, John Tavares become available, for example, it would be more surprising if the Sharks weren't involved than if they were. So again, nothing we didn't really already know except for the Lee Lamorello bit of news. But man, I, I, we talked about it last week, and I, I, I want to reiterate... There's always There can always be a mystery team, but I really think those three teams probably combined for like 80% plus of the probability of him going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Vegas odd, odds makers are saying if they put bets on these sort of things, which of course they do because it's Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, but I would imagine, I mean, it, I would say about 80%. That feels right. 20% for the other 28 teams in hockey and 80% for those three. And we're one of those three, and that's kind of crazy. Uh, so unless you have anything to add, that'll conclude Tavares Watch 2018 for this week. We promise more is coming. Uh, we hope, yeah. We hope we'll be able to break the news with a John Tavares interview, like you all are expecting. Mm. Um, I, know, I know his dad. Uh, let's move on to some discussion of the NHL playoffs, uh, where the Golden Knights have prevailed over the San Jose Sharks in a six-game series, winning the final two, including the final one, three to nothing, in the Shark Tank. Uh, the Knights are a baffling team at this point. They don't make sense. There's no debating or disputing that they have broken every expectation that could ever have been placed put in place for them. Uh, I did want to talk about something just because it... I've heard it a lot this week, and I don't know of a better time or place to discuss it. A lot of people are talking about, well, this is proof that the draft expansion draft rules they put in place are unfair, and that mm-hmm. they were just overly nice to the shark or to the knights, and so uh, we need to change that before Seattle comes in. Uh, I want to say <laughs> boo to that whole concept because, first of all, I think earnestly there are probably less than 10 teams in the NHL right now who would trade their roster straight up for the Vegas Golden Knights roster. And that, I mean, that doesn't include prospects or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's just their roster. Uh, because, look, there's there's not a player on the Knights who is as good and and I'm not saying I'm not saying the Blues are even an especially great team but I would take at least 3 players on the Blues above any player on the Golden Knights mm-hmm. if I was drafting I would take Tarasenko, Schwartz and Petrangelo for sure oh, yeah, over any player on the Golden Knights right now and listen no disrespect to William Carlson 
but the guy has had six goals in his NHL career prior to this season, or I think a six-goal season was his career high. That doesn't just happen, jumping to 43, and I expect him to plummet back to earth. But this is not pick on the Golden Knights time. It's actually congratulating the Golden Knights for the fact that they gamed a system that was kind of fair and absolutely fleeced GMs all up and down the board. They convinced they convinced the Florida Panthers to give them Jonathan Mercer show so that they could take the contract of Riley Nash, Riley Smith, yeah, Riley, Riley Smith. Smith, who they then turned in to a great player. So it isn't even a bad contract for them now. Mm-hmm. They convinced they convinced Mark Andre Fleury somehow. I don't know if they did this or if it just happened, but they convinced Mark Andre Fleury that the only place he would be willing to play outside of Pittsburgh was Las Vegas and that he'd want to come there and start the thing there. So I think I think they gave I think the Penguins like gave up a pick for oh, them yeah. to take Mark Andre for like a second, right? Yeah, it was kind of so it would be hands off of Murray yeah. even though they really had no intention of getting him anyways. Right. So it was a second to take Flurry, who they would gladly take anyways. Yeah. They they convinced the the uh, Blue Jackets to trade them William Carlson and picks. I think mm-hmm. to take a bad contract was it David Legwand? Was that somebody? Anyway, I mean, all up and down the board. Honestly, of all the teams, maybe it was David Clarkson. <laughs> that may be right. Of all the teams. Uh, the Blues are one of the few that it was... Just, I mean, obviously, David Perron's done extremely well mm-hmm. there. I'm not taking anything away from him. But the Blues are one of the few teams that were just like, okay, we're leaving this unprotected player, you take him, mm-hmm. sort of situation. Uh, down goes Brown, who is a, a well-known hockey writer in Canada, wrote a regret rankings for the Vegas Golden Knights um, and talks about the teams that improved from the draft he said uh there's carolina colorado uh are the only two that did carolina traded a fifth round pick to get them to lay off cam ward and lee stepniak which doesn't make any sense and they traded a second for trevor van reemstyke and later added marcus kruger for a fifth and they only lost connor brinkley brickley but again would they really be worse off if cam ward had been taken out of there or our golden boy leaves Stepniak. Uh, I don't think been so. Lee. Uh, Avalanche just lost Calvin Pickard. That's nothing. Uh, you don't want to hear about who got who did well or okay. You want to heard about the hear about the people that got reefed, which are the seven architects. Uh, <laughs> they, Anaheim Ducks sent them Shea Theodore as a bribe to pick Clayton Stoner. The Washington Capitals lost Nate Schmidt. Uh, the Penguins traded a second-round pick to get them to take Flurry. The Predators lost James Neal, and they acquired uh, Alexi Immelin for a, th- for a third-round pick. And the Blue Jackets lost William Carlson, who scored 43 goals. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's just bad. It's just bad. He talks about Florida. They're in the worst category all by themselves. Uh <laughs> I I don't want to dwell on this as long as I already have, and I want to give you time to talk. But I just, like, I hate this narrative that it's so 
unfair and that they have to change the rules for next time. Which, by the way, the NHL made $500 million when they expanded this team a year ago. Mm-hmm. They're going to make, they've already made, I think, 650 for the next time Se- yeah. Seattle expanded. The success of this franchise literally made the uh, NHL $150 million in one year. They ain't changing anything. If anything, they'll be nicer I was say, yeah. to Seattle than they were to these guys. So what do you think about the thing I've been <laughs> rambling <laughs> on? They're not going to make the rules. Yeah, that's a perfect point. They're not going to make the rules any worse for Seattle. At, at very least, they'll be the same. Uh-huh. The thing, too, is for anyone that, I guess, as an olive branch to anyone that for some reason hates Vegas, and we've I've seen people that are just tired of them already, and I, I kind of get it, especially if you're a Pacific fan. I mean, if you're a Kings fan or a Sharks fan, I get why you wouldn't want or wouldn't like the uh, Vegas Golden Knights right now. But for anybody else that doesn't like them, next year they could be really bad. Like, this is kind of magic in a bottle especially mm-hmm. when you consider some of the stats like William Carlson I'd say even David Perron's having kind of out of his mind year they're not going to be that good just from a stats perspective but also they've got plenty of UFAs they've got a lot of guys coming off of contracts either this summer or next summer I mean they haven't signed James Neal yet they uh the David Perron's UFA Ryan Reeves I get not the biggest deal but a UFA Blues could sign him um Lucas Spiza, who I don't think they played all that much. <laughs> <Just good sign. laughs> yeah, they could just do that. Uh, Clayton Stoner, that, UFA. Because the uh, Rutherford made a really interesting point about us bringing back Ryan Reeves, which is that, uh, which is who you were talking about, mm-hmm. right? Uh, <laughs> you were like, no, I was talking about Connor Brickway. Uh, no, he's one of Tarasenko's best friends. And considering that we lost all of his other, other good, good friends, yeah. uh who was who, Laterra and somebody else. Shattenkirk, Shattenkirk, Stewart. and Stewart, yeah. Uh, he made a pretty interesting point that he, he thought us bringing back Reeves was a distinct possibility, which would be awesome. All he said was they'd have to find a way to get rid of Thorburn, mm-hmm. which I would think the way Thorburn played this year, somebody would trade like it a would be that hard. for him or something. You, you could know? go sit out in the desert. Not, yeah. in, not, the, not in Vegas. They no. want real players. No. Down in Arizona. <laughs> um yeah, they could easily be terrible next year. Maybe not terrible, but just not very good. But I do think they're going to kind of stay relevant over the course of, let's say, five or six years. Just looking at their uh, draft picks they have, they traded away their first this year to get uh, Thomas Tatar. So they have a second. They got two fourths, two fifths, two sixths. So loaded on the back end. But in 2019, they have their first. They've got two seconds. They've got three thirds. They got two fifths. 6th, 7th, and then in 2020, which is conceivably close enough to talk about, they've got three seconds on top of their first. So they're loaded in terms of picks. So yeah. if they want to stay relevant in the you know far-off future, they can because they have lots to deal with to build a franchise with, lots of high picks. But they could also use those picks to get better throughout the season for trades and stuff. I think you're going to see a team that's not going to quite sink to the bottom of the barrel next year. They might not make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but I think you're still going to find a competitive team. And I think maybe it was 31 Thoughts or another podcast. They mentioned their owner is a guy that's a competitive dude. He's going to want, he'll spend the money to make sure that they're a relevant team in Vegas, especially with the Oakland Raiders coming in. I don't know if you you said, you have to figure he's made absurd amounts of money this year. I think it's a good point though, that there's other sports teams that are coming into Vegas slowly, Mm -hmm. but surely that could kind of poach 
some of the fandom, I suppose, off of the Knights. But I think really, if anything, you would find sports teams like the Raiders, and maybe you were saying MLB was thinking about eventually having mm-hmm. a team there. Um, well, uh, part- I was just say kind of partnering with, you know, seeing what they did and being like, hey, we should kind of like partner with the Knights rather than, you know, be like an adversary Yeah. in terms of like building a Vegas sports brand. Yeah, and I think I, I heard a... It, was actually not a hockey podcast at all, but there was just a guy who lives in Vegas on, <laughs> on the street. Uh, yeah, I, I went to the strip and interviewed people. No, but he was he was he's not even a hockey fan. He he transported from Philadelphia and uh, was in Vegas and and he was talking about um just how much of a part of the community they've become this year, especially mm-hmm. in light of the tragedy that happened right before the season with the with the shooting at the concert and, and mm-hmm. how they had, you know, nights to remember that no, not no pun intended on the nights thing, but they had remembrance nights and they had Vegas strong the whole season. And then like at the end of the year, uh, they retired the number 56, I think for the number of victims there were. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I mean, they've really endeared themselves to that community very quickly. And it's, a hugely growing community right now. There's a reason teams are all entering it now. I wouldn't, I mean, I legitimately think that Las Vegas could be a four sports town by like 2025. Mm-hmm. Cause I know, I know baseball's talking about it and basketball wouldn't even have to build a stadium because mm-hmm. they've got the same team oval arena that the Knights playing. So, like, legitimately, this could be a four sports town in the drop of a hat. But I don't think that's generally... I don't really believe that's bad for the Knights. No. Or any, in any city. I don't think... You know, people talk about, well, it's really only big enough to support three sports. I don't know about that. Um, You're bringing in more people if you have that yeah. much entertainment. And plus, like, it's not like people don't come to Vegas yeah. anyway, you know. Uh, people people travel to those games. I mean, we all know a bunch mm-hmm. of people that came from St. Louis to go to our game out there. Yeah, I'd love to just go down. Just as an excuse yeah. to go to Vegas. So they're not going to have any trouble. But I think the fact that they had a, a, at least a, I think at least two years, because I don't think the Raiders are moving there this year, uh, where they get to kind of be the only show in town, mm-hmm. I think they'll be well enough entrenched Mm-hmm. To to kind of dig that hole and kind of keep their footing, and the freaky thing is, like you said, I mean Cody Glass or Connor Glass, whatever his name is, their first round pick uh, from last year mm-hmm. isn't even like he's not even up yet. Like they've got <laughs> bright stars of the future that are still oh, yeah, coming. Nick Suzuki, they got a bunch of guys. Yeah, so um, they're a team to admire, and 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 the other thing, the final point I want to make is. The hundred, the one point one five billion dollars the league's going to make from these two expansions is for everyone's benefit. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you were wondering why the cap is going up five plus million dollars this summer, that is exactly why because those teams split the revenue and they have more money to spend on players. Mm-hmm. Even the Carolinas, even the Blues get more money because of this. So. It's good for everybody yeah. from a pure, from a purely business standpoint, which, quite frankly, has been Gary Bettman's strength. He's done a lot of things for the game that haven't been great, and he probably hasn't grown it as much as he should have. But he's made a lot of savvy investments and business moves in some ways. So it's a better league financially since he took it over. Yeah. Also, sorry, as an aside, no, go ahead. As a a weird aside, when you're talking about 
that this all that money goes to the other teams, that expansion money. Did you know there's actually one team it does not go to, the Seattle expansion uh, money? It doesn't go to Vegas. Oh, really? There's actually some little clause where for huh. the first harmony years, they will not get expansion money, and I guess, I'm not entirely sure why. I guess it's because they were just allowed to poach players off of teams, so that's an advantage enough. I think the weird thing is it's kind of like a handshake rule, like, yo, you've only been in the league like two years. Like, some of us need the money for our, I don't know, struggling franchise in Carolina. You don't. You have just goodwill. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure the reason that kind of feels like it, but it's really kind of interesting. So then they'll get the next they'll get the next expansion in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm calling it now. 2027. 20, <laughs> Honolulu Hellblazers. You got it. Yeah. I like it. Honolulu also, Hellblazers. Yeah, that's 4-1 Winnipeg right now. Oh, dang. With uh, under four minutes. It's happening. It's so, as a as an audible, as a thing not planned or written down anywhere, what do you think of Winnipeg versus Vegas? Because it's, I mean, it's well, going to happen. We're going to get there. Oh, it is okay. for sure written down. Oh, it is. <laughs> uh, let's talk about that in one minute. Okay. Uh, but I do want to, just because before we move on, um, we kind of did this last week, so continuing in. Uh, reviewing the shark season now that they're out of it. Uh, they suck. Next. <laughs> this is what the sharks have been forever. I don't want to review it no. especially. Do you feel bad? Oh, I, I I have gone from hating the sharks and I still hate Pete DeBoer and his stupid rotten face and his stupid rotten attitude and his stupid rotten suits. But, <laughs> Especially the but, suits. Um, but I do, I feel a kinship with the sharks and the capitals, which is why I'm so jazzed for the capitals' success, uh, which we'll touch on in a minute, just because... God, I mean, the, we're all the same team. We're all the same we're that, team. We're that the second Sharks tier. have been so good for a decade, and their best finish was getting pretty much destroyed by the Penguins two years ago. It wasn't a close series. I mean, I think it was six games, but it wasn't close. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It sucks. And then they 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 blitz. Anaheim. I mean, they destroy Anaheim, which I did not see coming mm. at all. And then they run into the Vegas Golden Knights. It's like God himself wants them to <laughs> fail. And with Brent or with Joe Thornton's beard, who could blame him? Uh, but no, I think, but at the same time, I mean, realistically, could you have expected more than a second round exit from the Sharks coming into the season? No. I don't think so. They lost Patrick Marlowe and survived it just fine. They made a really good trade for Evander Kane, and now they've put themselves in a position to see if they want to keep him and Joe Thornton, or if they want to make a play for Tavares or talk to him and try to keep all of them. Who knows? Uh, But they're in good position there, I think. Um, So, yeah, I mean, let's move on to Winnipeg and Nashville. (laughs) Uh, Winnipeg, I thought they maybe screwed themselves by not putting away the Preds when they should have in Game 6 in Winnipeg and laying a total egg. Uh, But at the beginning of this game, Pecorine let in two total squeakers, and they pulled him for UC Soros, who I guess played well enough. Uh, But that's a weird, weird move to me from Peter LaViolette. I'm sorry, I get it, but it is the Game 7 against the highest 
potent, most potent offense probably in the NHL. You cannot leave it to UC Soros. I am sorry, but that is nonsense, which contributes to my broader theory that that organization isn't brilliantly run and brilliantly coached. <laughs> it's just kind of stumbled into things, uh, but we'll not dwell on that. Um, you, you have to assume, though, if they, if this holds, which looks likely, uh, and the um, Jets prevail, this has to be something of a disappointment for Nashville, considering mm-hmm. they were season or they were a win or two away from the Stanley Cup last year, and now they're a second round exit. Still a good season for them. Uh, they didn't win the President's Trophy, right? But they did win. They might have the conference. Uh, they at least won the Western yeah, Conference. Right. Yeah, right. Um, I should look. I guess I could just Google it, Stephen. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's the two dream teams. It's I guess. Sorry for Jets versus Vegas. You know. Yeah. It's the two. They did. They did win the. President's Trophy. Quietly. Uh, Maybe, yeah. You know what? Not quietly. I don't think people talk about that hardly as much. Maybe not too quietly. It's just that we were just in the filth of the Blues season at the end, and I was like, well, something happened with the rest of the teams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, Nashville. I was, man, this is going to be a crazy series. I, this last one was Winnipeg now 5-1 on the empty net. Um, I, I would say I think Winnipeg beats Vegas is my gut instinct because Winnipeg just has like the magic. We're so good momentum, but Vegas has that weird Cinderella. We don't give a crap momentum of like, we'll just take down like any comer, just bring them on. And they do it with such, I don't know, such an attack, such like not even style, just like balls to the walls. Yeah. That's what Vegas seems to be known for now. It's just like, we don't care. We just go in, it's the first period, it's 10 minutes in, and we're expending all of our energy, and we're going to do that every moment of the entire game for the entire series. I don't think I've watched a single minute of a Vegas game where they just kind of looked like they were trying to phone it in to get like the win in the last 10 minutes. They're like constantly going for the next goal. They're what I dream the Blues or any like hockey team would do, where it's like the best defense is us just scoring more. Mm-hmm. And even if they're not scoring, they're just in the opponent's end and they're attacking constantly. And I see Winnipeg and I see a team that's probably better defensively than yeah. either the Sharks or the Kings. Mm-hmm. I, which is kind of weird to say, but I think it's true or it's held true over the course of these couple of um, rounds. I It's a coin flip for me. I'm going to say Winnipeg because I just think they're the complete team. But... If Vegas beats them, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. I think what'll be interesting, and this is no insult to Los Angeles or San Jose, um, but the Knights have yet to really play a hard road series. They haven't gone into one of the top five venues, and I know the Shark Tank has a pretty good reputation, but it's not Bridgestone and it's not whatever the Winnipeg stadium <laughs> is called. Um, and I, I think Winnipeg has home ice. I think they were second in the league in points. So, Oh, yeah, you might be um, right. So uh, I still have it up, so let's look again. <laughs> yeah, they have 114 to the Knights 109. So okay. I'm never going to say – I mean, the, the Knights can do it. Do not hear me saying they can't at this point. Um 
but this is this is what makes people say you know the Stanley Cup's the hardest thing to win in sports the Knights have done so much and they're only halfway there you know so you can say you can crown any of these teams champion for various reasons uh but the reality is that any of the any of them could lose for just any reason <laughs> at this point still so much is um, luck yeah and i mean i think one of the i think this series proves that the western conference is way better not in the sense that i mean listen the eastern conference has won a lot Lately, and the Penguins are extremely good, and the Lightning are extremely good, and the Capitals are very good. I'm not taking anything away from those teams, but boy, the bottom, not even half, two-thirds of that conference, I would say, are just garbage Mm -hmm. compared to the worst teams in the Western (laughs) Conference. I mean, the very, you know, I mean, like, who were the very worst teams, not counting Arizona this year, had, like... Connor McDavid on mm-hmm. one of them. One of them was the three-time Stanley Cup champion Blackhawks. You know, I mean, like, uh, but not to dwell on that. Only that is to say that, like, I thought that the Sharks or that the Jets and Predators would be the series I could. I couldn't possibly be more hyped for any series. Mm-hmm. We all had it circled when game when round one started because we all just assumed that they'd both get through. And that they'd face each other and that the winner of that would be the Stanley Cup champion. And now I'm more jazzed for this matchup than I was for that one. So I'm really excited to see how it goes. Uh, are you ready to move on to the Boringer Conference? <laughs> yeah, I would say that's the final 5-1 Winnipeg. Uh, let's, Good for them. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad... Couldn't have happened in a nicer crowd either. Yeah, uh, for a you moment. You think they'll sing Soros, 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 it's all your fault? Because they should. That'd be I would awesome. say, yeah, for just 30 seconds, just screw you, Nashville. Uh, this yeah. is an angry, just, not sorry, not the city, not even the fans, but just like the Predators, take that, PK. I love you, PK. Please be on the Blues. But he's the perfect, we were talking about earlier, the perfect player where I hate him, but if he were wearing a blues uniform, I'd love him so much. Uh huh. I, you know, get out of here, Ryan Johansson. Is, get out of here, Peter Laviolette. You always look like you did a line of coke before you <laughs> took the bench. Like nonstop, you're sweating on your upper lip. Yeah, uh, Pecorino, you're all right. I don't know. The rest of you can just go eat it. I'm Austin, so sick Austin of that. Austin Watson, team. eat a curb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that. I don't want to make this oh, the crap on Nashville. Oh podcast, no, I don't mind them in general, but just as a sort of outflowing of of anger. I have currently. It's so weird because, like, I've I was certain, I was certain it would be Pittsburgh, or if it wasn't Pittsburgh, it would be Nashville, or if it wasn't Nashville, it would be Boston, and now it can't be any of them. Oh, thank you. And I don't know what to think, <laughs> and. Three of the teams haven't won the cup before, and the fourth one, who can be angry at Tampa Bay? They've done nothing. They're just super good. Uh, yeah. It, whew, it's exciting. Um, and I will be interested to see. I know we talked about it a little last year, and I know they did come back for the most part, but I do think it was chilled down a little bit. I wonder how long this love affair in Nashville with the Predators is really going to last. Because here's the thing about that team. I think their window is already closing. <laughs> and, and I Please. mean this seriously because I was thinking about it earlier today. 
the problem with them is they don't have a core, really. Like, when you look at the teams that have been really successful in the last few the Mm -hmm. last decade, really. The two teams are obviously the Penguins (laughs) and the Blackhawks. The Penguins have Crosby and Malkin. Everything they do is built around Crosby and Malkin. The Blackhawks have Kane and Taves and, to a lesser extent, Keith and Seabrook. Mm -hmm. Everything they do is based around those two slash four guys. Who is that for the Predators? Is it really Philip Forsberg? Because I'm not convinced mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg is a top 10 player in this league. He's a very good player. But is he a superstar or is he a skilled player more in the more along the lines of a, you know, a Vander Kane mm-hmm. with maybe a little better attitude? Is, is it P.K. Subban? Because I don't know. There's been enough weirdness around P.K. Subban where I'm like, can you make that guy the core of your team now? And plus, he, I don't know how old he is, but I would think he's pushing 30. He's got to be. He's been in the league for 14 <laughs> oh, years. Oh, we're pushing 30. Uh, <laughs> we won't go off on that I'm tangents. pushing it all the way off. <laughs> uh, anyway, my point is the, the, the trick with that team is They have to identify what matters and what doesn't because I don't know when all the contracts are up, but they can't give another fat contract to all of Subban and Ellis and uh, Forsberg. And I know Arvidsson just got a new Mm. contract, but also Pekka Rene is going to be done soon just from age. And I don't know if UC Saros is the goalie of the future or not. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, those are As good we points. all know, they're going to they're gonna sign John Tavares, and it's going to be no big thing. Uh, let's move on to the Boston Bruins uh, losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning in what ultimately was a pretty brutal and short series. Um, the Lightning in the final three games of this series that they won four games to one uh, held the Bruins scoreless at even strength, which is pretty impressive. Uh, Joe Smith, (laughs) who, by the way, is the writer for the Lightning for The Athletic, which makes me think it's just like Craig Custance, and they're like, I'm sorry, Craig, (laughs) we got to have somebody cover the Lightning, and nobody actually lives in Tampa and follows this team, so you got to do it. (laughs) But Joe Smith says, the Lightning won this series because they were the better team, the faster team, the deeper team. Tampa Bay held the Bruins without an even-strength goal for the final three games of the season. We've already talked about the Marshawn Licking thing. I don't want to dwell on that any longer. The question I have for you is, if we're being honest, honest about how this series played out as much as the bolts are the most boringest of the remaining options no disrespect to them i don't hate them they're just the ones that have been there before are they now the team to beat in these playoffs i think so i think they're the most complete team i think like top to bottom Mm -hmm. that team like i mean do they have teller johnson on their third line i think that's like just a complete Team. That team is freakish. Any any one of like so six or seven freakish. players could just step up and take over the game. That team is so they good don't need that to. you forget all the people that are good on it. Like you almost forget Kucherov and Stamkos are there. You can't. I forget fo- Stamkos. You is can't there. focus on both ends of the spectrum 
at the same time. You're either thinking about, oh, look how good Stamkos and Kucherov are, and then you forget about Bradenport and JT Miller and uh, whatever, Gaudi or Gaudi or whatever oh, his name is. Uh, Gord. Gord, yeah. Gord. Uh, and, Tyler and Johnson. Tyler Johnson. and Andre Pilat. Yeah. It's, yeah it's all ridiculous. of those people <laughs> and Victor Hedman and, and all those people. Oh. Or you're looking at those names and you forget that Hedman and Vasilevsky and Samkos and yeah. Kucherov are there. I mean, they're frighteningly good. I think they have the... I don't think Which, I've, by the way, we predicted last offseason. So there you oh, go. Oh, yeah. They don't have any sort of like fear in them at all either. I mean, they've only lost two games across two series. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the gentleman's sweep in both of these. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah. They just, I don't, maybe if they get their backs against the wall, they look different. Mm-hmm. But to me, they've looked super composed. They look like they've been there before because they have. They've gotten, you know, to the. Stanley Cup Finals in 2015, I think, with pretty close to the same roster, more or less. Mm-hmm. I think they know what needs to be done. I kind of fear for Washington because I feel like they might get wrapped up in the hype of finally making the third round. Mm-hmm. That the Lightning just steamroll them. Yeah, I could re- I could really see that being a six game se- one of those six game series that doesn't feel like six games. Yeah. Let's transition into that in a second, just touching on Boston real quickly. You think this is about I know you call Boston as the playoff winner. That's right. I'm so wrong. Which I don't think, I mean, that wasn't ridiculous coming into the playoffs with the experience they had, and Mm -hmm. they probably had the best line in hockey right now uh, with Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasternak. (laughs) Yeah. but coming into the season, second round exit feel about right for them, you think, in terms of what their expected performance was? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they thought they were going to be as good as they were during the season yeah. at all. That was kind of a I, surprise. I mean, I know we were talking about them, if if memory serves, as a kind of a fringe. Like, yeah. expected them to be right where they were last season, which I think was third in their division, yep. which I think they were, right? or were they uh, second, second, but yeah, okay. uh, And then, uh, you know... But we talked about them as potentially like if if the Devils or Hurricanes were going to bounce somebody out, maybe it was them. Um, so I think it's I think it's fine. It'll be disappointing for them. Uh, I was talking to a friend from Boston the other night who was celebrating the Celtics advancing because oh, right. he doesn't care about <laughs> hockey. Uh, and like like all good Northeasterners, not actually from Boston either at all. He's from Connecticut. But in any <laughs> case, he was complaining to me about how the Celtics had only won one title in his lifetime. And I said, good, it's a shame you didn't have five Super Bowls, three World Series, and a Stanley Cup to comfort yeah. you with that. I'm so sorry. And he said, what's a Stanley Cup? And then I drove to Philadelphia where he now lives and killed him. But, uh, <laughs> in any case, um, no, he, he was joking about the Stanley Cup thing. Oh, just I was going to ask clear. if he was serious. Yes. But, I mean, I think this is about what they expected. It'll be a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, especially after they handled um, Toronto. The other team. keep trying to do They wear the same They're blue and white. They start with T. They're in the Metropolitan. What am I supposed to do? I think Boston... Ended up out. I think they overperformed this year. Yeah. I think they had a lot of young guns that stepped up and did really well. Jake DeBrusque, um, McAvoy, they all did really well this year. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of, I don't know, when you're young and you haven't been that far before, you haven't played that many games, you just kind of run out of steam. And so all the Lightning had to do was shut down 
Boston's first line, and they did. Yeah. Uh, and I think it'll be, we'll touch eventually on uh, what they'll do this offseason. We're going to touch on it a little bit later. But they could be a team that could not change anything and still be really competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to the the biggest surprise, I guess, although I called it, so I'm just going to pat myself <laughs> on the back a little bit. Uh, as um, the play-by-play caller of the Washington Capitals, whose name I forget, said, <laughs> the demons have been exercised. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, Pittsburgh. Uh the Capitals beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games in overtime in Pittsburgh in a series that I think, quite frankly, could have been shorter than that. Mm-hmm. I think the Capitals won this series and how a little bit. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, not that the, I mean, Pittsburgh is an extraordinarily great team, and we're going to talk about that for a minute here, but I think the Capitals really won this series, like, legit, you know? Yeah, no. Um, no faking. I, you can't help but feel get good for a guy like Alex Ovechkin, who is nearly, as I can tell, is a pretty great person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see the legitimate joy on his face. The whole team, obviously elated. They haven't been to a conference final in the Ovechkin era, because they've always faced the Penguins <laughs> and they've never gotten past them. Uh, but you touched on the the flip side of this coin. Possibly is a bit of an emotional letdown to against the Lightning. Do you think that will happen? And why do you think that? Will happen? <laughs> I do. I just do. <laughs> I. It'd be cool if they made the finals. I'd really like them to. I guess I'm rooting for them a little bit more than the Lightning, but. Uh-huh. I don't know. We just talked about the Lightning were stacked. I just don't know if they have it up and down the lineup. Yeah. I can see their defense cracking before the Lightning. There are two teams that I really don't think play overly physical, and I think that helps the Lightning more than the Capitals. Yeah. Tom Wilson will be back game three, I guess. Um, so that might do something for, for the Capitals. Isn't he back now? He's back now. Is he back now? Yeah, because he was suspended in game two. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. After game two. Or after game three. This week has flown by. (laughs) Um, yeah, so that'll be good for them as far as the physical presence. TJ Oshie made that free willy post that I ranted about on Twitter, but... That's not the same, Tej. Well, one's a made-up character, TJ. (laughs) Willy, the fish, the mammal. He's a mammal. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> For all you biologists out there, I thought I'd correct myself before I got the hate mail. But Willie is an orca who was illegally whaled and captured off the coast of some place. Patagonia. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> and he was brought to probably not licensed, but basically <laughs> SeaWorld and forced to live in captivity. And was freed to live the life that he deserved to live in the great blue ocean. Killing seals. Tom Wilson (laughs) would gladly kill seals out of spite (laughs) for their cuteness. And tried to kill Zach Aston Reese on the ice in a playoff game. And he was rightfully suspended. And is now being allowed to play hockey again for millions of dollars. It's not the same 
Timothy James Oshi, which probably isn't your name. It might be right. Uh, yeah, moving on from that. Uh, this this series will be very interesting because I could see it playing out the way you think it's going to play out. I could see it being the Capitals now have all the momentum and nothing oh, stops true. them. Um but I don't think the Capitals as a team are a match for the Lightning as a team at all. Mm-hmm. So I think if anything's going to carry the Capitals through this, it will be the momentum. And it will be interesting to see how a monkey off his back Alex Ovechkin plays if there is such a person. Uh, and having beaten Crosby will tell us a lot about what his future looks like in this situation, in this series. What's your prediction for the final right now? Ugh. You kind of hinted at it being Jets bolts. Do you think it'll be Jets lightning? I think it will be Jets lightning. And How fun would that George McPhee versus the Washington Capitals series be, though, huh? I know. That's the fun thing with all four of these teams. And then freaking Martin Erat scores the game winner because they bring him back out of retirement (laughs) for six years. He's probably like 58. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Because Philip Forsberg is 42. Exactly. Um, I think they're all fun options because even though the Lightning won back in 04, I think it's been a while. And they're a team that I know no team necessarily deserves to win the Cup. But, I mean, they've been so good for the last... I don't know, six, seven years. I think they're a team that would kind of deserve to win it. I'm not really rooting against any of them. I think they all kind of have a fun storyline, but I think it will be the Jets versus the Lightning, and in which case I'd probably root for the Jets, but it'd be it'd be either thing. If Vegas makes it, I'm rooting for Vegas. I'm just, I'm sorry, Capitals. I am so, so <laughs> sorry if it's the Knights versus the Capitals. I would if the Blues were in the Eastern Conference... I would just weep if the Blues made it to the Stanley Cup against the Vegas Golden Knights because I know what would happen. I just know it. Vegas would win because that would be what has to happen. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Cavs fans, but I'd root for it because uh, it's chaos. It would just be chaos, and it would be great. This sport would like look at itself in the mirror like, what am I? The NHL would just freak out. And they'd like have to be happy, but they'd kind of be angry. They'd be like, oh, I don't know if we like this new team just winning all of a sudden. And Vegas wouldn't know what to do because they've never seen the Stanley Cup before. <laughs> they'd be like, what's this? Is that what you get when we win? Is like, this what we put the chips in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought we got like a statue. I'm like, no, it's Lord Stanley's Cup. I'm like, oh, I thought he was going to be here for that. I'm like, no, he's been dead for, you know, 150 years. I'm like, oh. I thought he was. I'm very confused by all of this. Like I don't know if I like the Golden Knights. There's not a matchup here though that isn't compelling, and that's what's. That's what I mean. They're all interesting. I think as much as like as much as they're interesting, the Jets and Lightning just absolutely gunning it out four lines deep of just chaos would be so friggin' fun. Um, Best for the league, I guess, is Washington Vegas because Winnipeg's a nothing market. And Tampa Bay is nothing market for hockey. Although this is sort of Canada's team now. So as far as like a country goes, I mean, it's the smaller country people-wise. But I'm sure they would like having Winnipeg just as far as a, a viewership standpoint goes. Now, if I may. Please do. The Capitals have been around Suck. since. <laughs> oh, historically. <laughs> um 
have been around since what the mid seventies, I think, like nineteen seventy five or something is when they came into the league. So it's coming up on fifty ish years for them of being in the league without a Stanley Cup. And I've alluded to before that I kind of root for teams that have not won the Stanley Cup that have haven't won it in a long time um, to win because I want the Blues to be left on their own little island. I want the Blues to have a distinction. I want that they're already distinct because they're the oldest team to have not won a Stanley Cup. I want them to not even have people around them anymore. Mm-hmm. I want them to be the only one on what I'm going to call No Cups Island. <laughs> Now, so you've got four teams on No Cups Island. You've got the Blues, you've got the Canucks, you've got the Sabres, and you got the Capitals. And those four are all looking... Because the Predators don't count. Oh, no, we'll get to the Predators. Okay. These teams are looking like Tom Hanks towards the end of uh, Castaway. Not when he gets rescued. They are not rescued. They just have <laughs> a big fuzzy beard and they're missing a tooth because they knocked it out. They're looking gross. Then they you have got, various sports equipment to which they're married. Oh, of course. Then you've got the, uh, you've got the sharks. You remember how he marries Wilson? <laughs> yeah, it took me and a second. And that oddly sexual scene <laughs> at the end of Castaway. It was very erotic. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the sharks, the senators, and the panthers. They're all on an adjacent peninsula. Okay. They can see the island. <laughs> they don't want to be there, but unfortunately there is a boat coming to get them. Which is weird, because you think just don't get on the boat, but there's, they can't help it. Start winning, otherwise the boat's just going to drag you through the water to No Cups Island. Put the pennies on your eyes, baby, and get on the river sticks. (laughs) You got the Predators and the Blue Jackets. Now they think they're going to Disney World (laughs) in a van, but they're not going to Disney World. Okay. They're in Florida, though. So they're near the ocean. Oh, boy. You're getting close to the coastline. So this line. is a Caribbean island, this no cups. Oh, yeah. It's but it's right, it's right on the equator, so it is just hotter than oh, hell. Oh, it's <laughs> disgusting. Then you've got, it gets a little more interesting after that. you got the Leafs. Now, they're on a separate island that gets confused for no cups island. Mm-hmm. But a boat has shown up. They've gotten on the boat. It just hasn't left the beach yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, then you got the fun ones. You got the wild. Now I got to read this one because it's a long one. The wild are listening to their estranged father tell them over the phone about the reason they had to move to Dallas and change their name. And it's because their boss, Norm Green, told them they had to. (laughs) But hey, at least they won a cup. And they believe that the wild can do what they never did someday. And in the background, a a boat horn blares. (laughs) Then you've got the Jets. The Jets just have a picture of their father walking off into the desert in the Southwest. (laughs) And to this day, no one knows why that dude left. (laughs) And then the Vegas Golden Knights, the final team, were warned about No Cups Island. They didn't listen, and now they're currently doing a keg stand in Las Vegas at a bar <laughs> called The Island. Put it all on black, baby! <laughs> and that is the, man, I forget what it was, 14 teams that have no cups in that their history. Beautiful. That was beautiful. The comedic stylings of one Ian Peters. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you have anything to add before we move on to Oh, no, I'm, I'm done for I'm forever. Done forever. <laughs> that's, your, that's your swan I'm song. I'm out. Uh, the good news is that at least you're not the Edmonton Oilers and the Arizona Coyotes and getting regu- relegated to the AHL. <laughs> um, 
and then they'd have to trade Connor McDavid because they can't afford to pay him. That's what's great about relegation. Anyway, here we go. Uh, Blues (laughs) news. Jordan Cairo was named the Red Tilson OHL Player of the Year, uh, winning thereby winning an award that had been given to in the last five years. Alex DeBrincat, Mitchell Marner. Connor McDavid, Connor Brown, and Vincent Trocheck, who I firmly believe is the most underrated player in this league. Uh, that's pretty great company for him to join. Before those guys, there were a couple of farts, but <laughs> um, whew, it's hard not to ride the hype train on these prospects, Bay. B. <laughs> um, he had, what, 100-plus points captaining the yeah. Sarnia Sting this year. Phenomenal season. Got injured in the playoffs and wasn't able to see it through, but really impressive. Uh, the only other bit of Blues news I have, uh, by the way, we never touched on this, but Rob Brendamore was hired as the coach of the Hurricanes, and this oh. is how much I care. The other piece <laughs> of Blues news is that the uh, Jeremy Rutherford basically confirmed in one of his articles this week uh, that third jerseys will be debuting this upcoming season and that they will be the same. Um, <laughs> that he expects fully that they will be either exactly or very close to the Winter Classics of last season, which I am excited for, and you are okay with. As a collector, you want something new, correct? Yeah, I like those jerseys. It's just that I already own one. Well, some of us weren't as aggressive as you and don't, okay? so I spend, 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 baby. If Vegas wins a cup, I'm buying a Vegas jersey. David Perron or Ryan Reeves? I'll flip a coin, honestly. I might get a flurry. I like flurry. That dude's a stud. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our friend Tommy Hummel asked us to do Esteemed a friend. realistic trade, former co-host of this podcast, and candidate for your replacement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially given that you just did your swan song. Please uh, submit your resume. With every NHL team, I prefer to say curriculum vitae, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, so here it goes. Uh, so he asked us to submit or create a realistic trade with every NHL team. And we went into the weeds with this thing. We haven't heard each other's. Mm -hmm. We haven't heard each other's, but we're just going to go alphabetically. We're going to be realistic and realize that when we get to the Blackhawks, there probably isn't a realistic trade with them or the Predators, but who knows? We'll try to think of something, but I don't expect it'll be much. But those aren't who we start with. We start with teams like the Anaheim Ducks. So would you like to start or would you like me to? I'll start. Okay. I have Thompson, Tage Thompson, a second round pick for Jakob Silverberg. Wow. <laughs> really <laughs> underwhelming. The crowd huh? goes mild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be realistic, damn it. Okay. Um, he's a right wing, right handed shot, averages about 42 points over the last four seasons. He's on a contract that pays him $3.75 million for one more season. It's not, I mean, he's kind of a second line right winger. I think sometimes they've played him up on the first line in Anaheim. I don't know how that works out. They got swept in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but I, he's a guy that I've had my eye on before when he got traded from Ottawa down to uh, Anaheim. He'd be a fit, I think, especially on our second line. I think he could get more points from there. Mm-hmm. I think Tage Thompson at best would be that anyways. 
in my mind. And because Tage Thompson's kind of unproven, you throw in the second round pick. You go, we get it. He's tall and lanky, and he hasn't really done anything. But maybe he could. I would they do that? Would Anaheim do this? Nah, probably not. That's the trick here is knowing what the other team needs, which I tried very hard to find out because I'm a better journalist than you. <laughs> I, I tried for some of these things. Thompson. No, I mean you can't read the value yeah. exactly. They My trade's very hard on that. I don't know at all where it is. They, Anaheim doesn't need defensemen, as far as I can tell. Oh, but they do. Or maybe they do. Why don't we go to your, <laughs> yours? Anaheim does not need left-handed defensemen. Oh. But they desperately need right-handed defensemen. Oh, no. Which is why I have the Anaheim Ducks receiving Colton Pareko, who is owed $5.5 million through 2022, and probably a pick a third or a second for in exchange for uh, center slash right winger Ricard Raquel, oh. who is 25 years old and owed $3.789 million through 2022. Uh, he had 69 points last year, 51 before that, 43, then 31. So he's continually improving. He's a right-handed shot. Hooray! <laughs> we need those desperately. He's probably not a real center, given that he has like a 46.5% uh, face-off percentage, it hasn't been played there much. But it also could be a Shin situation where with Getzlav and Kessler, they don't need him to play sitter. True. And we could try him out there, and maybe he's great. Um, and then, uh, in addition to Ri- Ricard Raquel, we receive Troy Terry, who is a 20-year-old on his entry-level contract. <laughs> he's also a right-handed shot. He's supposed to be more of a real center. He had seven points in a legendary shootout in the t- 2017 uh, World Junior Championship, and he was a great performer at the University of Denver, including 45 points in 35 games as he captained them to the 2017 NCAA Championship. Uh, the Ducks would get a big right-handed defenseman to pair with Cam Fowler to uh, Hampus Lindholm. They do not have top-line quality right-handed defensemen right now. So they get that in Colton Pareko, which is hugely valuable. Whereas the Blues get a couple of right-handed shots, which they really need. Uh, young control in Raquel. So they're basically exchanging age and stage players, which I think makes this somewhat realistic. Um, They're both giving away strengths and Mm -hmm. receiving weaknesses. Uh, And uh, they get a few few pieces, the one of which might be a center for them. Uh, And and my only thinking is it's hard to read a little bit what their value on Raquel might be. He's a very good young player. But with Getzlav and Perry there that they're paying, I mean, they've got him on a great contract. So maybe they just don't. Maybe it's just not a question. But they've got a lot of centers, too. So if there's a piece they can spare, maybe it's him. Uh, so you want to move on to Arizona? You want yeah. me to go first you this time? You can go time? first. Okay. Uh, well, I went a little, <laughs> went a little, went a little crazy with oh, Arizona. Boy. So I have three options. Good Lord. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just, uh, looking at their roster, I saw them as a team we could trade with a lot. Poach from. Uh, option one, Arizona receives a two th- the 2018 first-round pick from Winnipeg. Uh, Patrick Berglund, who's 29 years old and owed $3.85 million through 2022. So Patrick Berglund for the record, a slightly more valuable contract than Rickard Raquel. Just for those of you keeping track at home, (laughs) great job, Doug. Um, (laughs) And 
They receive, and I hate to say it, because I just said oh, no. how great he was. They received Jordan Cairo, not Robert Thomas. He will not oh, be traded okay. in any of these trades also. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, and the Damn. Blues receive, in return, Uh-oh. Derek Stepan. He's a 27-year-old who will be 28-year-old center, making $6.5 million through 2021, and a third-round pick. Uh, Stefan has been between 53 and 57 points each of the last five years, so he provides consistency. Uh, he has what I think is a pretty good contract. It's a little cheaper than Paul Stastny for that caliber of player, I think. Um, he doesn't have a great face-off percentage, but he does have tons of playoff experience. He's been an, I think he's an alternate there, so I assume he has some leadership. Uh, I see the Blues receiving a, a reliable center here who does not deserve to be stuck in Arizona. Uh, and they get salary relief in, in Bergwin. So part of that, I gave up that much for Stepan because part of it is getting rid of Bergwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and Arizona gets a pick and a prospect, but Patrick Bergwin, who is serviceable, uh, but whose contract they can afford to take. Uh, you want me to do two and then you can do yours, or you want me to do just that one? And no, go ahead. You can do what do you th- think about that trade, by the way? Terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Not funny. Um, I, I would like, I looked at Derek Stepan when I was thinking about this trade, but I, a lot of things are realistic for Arizona because they just take other people's garbage, mm-hmm. more or less. But I think. You're right. I think you'd have. I don't think a Berglund in a first gets that done by any means. So I think you have to throw in like a good prospect, a better than a Tage Thompson sort of deal. Yeah. So that makes sense. Uh, and like I, I threw a, I threw a third round pick in there coming back to us because they have three, and that would not ease the pain of losing Cairo, but mitigate it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second option would be trading Jake Allen and a third round pick and Jake Wallman for Anti Ranta. Uh, Allen. And Ranta are on seem to be on different trajectories, uh, but they have almost identical uh, contracts through 2021. Um, we all know Jake Allen struggles. Anti Ranta had a quietly extremely good year, boasting a 9.30 save percentage and a 2.24 goals against average. Uh, and then I said because I don't know if this is possible, that the Blues would absorb and pay the remainder of what Arizona owes on Mike Smith's contract, which is like $1.5 million next year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can trade that to another team. I think you can. But, or we could just send them cash or whatever. <laughs> uh, I think this is wishful thinking and not extremely realistic, uh, given what they just paid for Ronta. Uh, but I think... Arizona is one of the few teams that might be in the position if the deal is right to take Allen and say, we're not trying to compete immediately anyway. So if he works out great, if not, no harm. Mm-hmm. And we get the value from whatever else who trade us. And then my final option would see Ravi Fabry go to Arizona, uh, along with Nick Schmaltz or Jake Wallman. In exchange for Max Domi, who we talked a little bit about this year. Uh, Robbie Fabry, obviously 66 points in 123 games before his two knee surgeries. Uh, Max Domi had 45 points this year, 38 before that, and 52 before that, and was the 12th 
overall pick in 2013. Uh, it'd be kind of a change of scenery for both guys, and the Blues would be mitigating the risk on Fabry by sending the defenseman. Um, but there was talk of Max Domi being a trade ship, which seems early for that, but it'd be interesting to get him in here. So why don't you either comment on those or give us yours? More terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Max Domi might be like a little bit of a stretch. That's who I wanted the most, but I always feel like they're going to ask for a lot. Like I feel like it, it would start with Robert Thomas. Obviously, that's like, psh, get out of here. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they'd be like, uh, how about a Robbie Fabry and a Jordan Cairo? And I'm like, well, I don't know about that. Mine's Mine has Cairo or Fabry and Wallman. So it's either Cairo or Fabry and Wallman for Christian Fisher, who is a right-wing, right-handed shot for the Arizona Coyotes. He's young. He's 21. He has offensive upside, 15 goals, 18 assists for 33 points for his first full season in the league on a crappy team. So I can only imagine that gets better. Uh, he's got two years left on his ELC. So it would be hard to pry him away because it's very rare that a team's willing to give away someone that's on their ELC that, I mean... <laughs> has no reason to trade them anyways, so mm-hmm. that's not necessarily realistic. But I feel like you can give them enough of a incentive to do so. Uh, Fisher is a two-way power forward that specializes in consistency, skates very well, and accelerates rapidly both forward and both forward on attack and backward on the back check, possesses a quick wrist shot that's very accurate and also has a bomb of a slap shot, is supposed to step up in big games and as a leader in the locker room. I think he'd be... Fisher is? Yeah. 21-year-old Christian Fisher? This is a report as as far as a prospect goes, because he only just graduated the NHL this year. I'd love to have him. I'm sort of looking at this. It'll probably be a theme as we go through these teams over the next couple of weeks for centers and right wings, more or less. If there's a defenseman to be had, that'd be great, because I do think the Blues' defensive depth kind of dries up after mm-hmm. Wallman. But in general, it's going to be forwards for me. He's the one that kind of stuck out as someone they might part with. I don't think there's keen on like Christian or uh, I think it's Christian Dvorak or someone also young with offensive upside. I think this might be one of the guys that kind of gets stuck in the weeds that you can yeah. maybe pry away from them. Um, I'll just give you my Boston one because I didn't know what to do mm-hmm. with Boston at all. I would take I would take a Brad Marchand. I would take a David Krejci. I would take a Patrice Bergeron. I just couldn't think of a, a damn trade that was going to get them. I don't think, yeah. So, Maybe Krejci they fart with, but none of them. So, yeah, Krejci was the only one I could think of. So, my boring one was Alexander Steen for David Backus. <laughs> 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 we reversed the mistake that was made. That would be hilarious. You pry the C off of Patrano. don't know how realized that, realistic oh, that is, but that not realistic at all. That's funny. Doug Armstrong goes, I'm sorry. That's funny I was because wrong. I toyed with the idea of doing a backish trade, and I was like, no, 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 we no, can't go back. That's super unrealistic. We might. I guess if I had to pull one out of my butt, I would think you could do a David Krejci four, and it would probably be like, man, you could give him Steen, even though he's kind of old. That's more of like a here for money, for money's sake. Like, we need to give you money to take on David Krejci at 7.5. But we'll also give you. Um, man, a, a first and like a Kairou or a Costin. Yeah. And maybe another. Uh, that maybe might be like, a little high for Krejci, but it'd be interesting. That'd be something where I think they wouldn't hang the phone up on you, at least. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, 
So I agree with you that I, honest to God, don't think there's... I think these are really bad trade partners. (laughs) I don't think the Bruins have a lot of work to do in the sense that all of their guys are either the Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasta level where it's like they're established there and they're studs and they're not trading them. Or they're, uh, you know, Rask, or they're... Uh, DeBrusque or Donato type guys where it's like, no, we're not trading McAvoy yeah. for anything. You know, this is the future of our franchise. So uh, I don't know that they'll trade with anybody much this summer, but I didn't especially think it was a good fit for us because we're both kind of like big body, slower, older physical <laughs> teams. I know they're not slow, but you know what I'm saying. Defense first mm-hmm. uh, from the net out. But the one trade I did think of was us trading them, Robbie Favre, for Urho Vakanainen, who was. You, you just made up a name. <laughs> Uh, who was the 19-year-old. He was the 18th overall pick in last year's draft. Uh, he's apparently a really good skater, but primarily a stay-at-home defenseman. Is he Finnish? Um, he is Finnish, of course. obviously. <laughs> I mean, clearly. <laughs> um, his name's Urho Vakanainen. <laughs> I just had to get that out there. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think this is the realistic thing where the Bruins take the chance on getting a huge upside player on their roster to complement all their young, fast guys. Um, and they are in a much better position to take that gamble than oh, the yeah, Blues sure. are because, you know, if Fabry busts again, you know, they, they're <laughs> still the team that was in the second round of the playoffs this year. So... Uh, they're in that position to take that gamble. And honestly, weirdly for the Blues, they're at a point where their defensive cupboard is pretty thin, especially past the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a prospect that looked pretty good. They're not getting any of the top couple of prospects from uh, Boston. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but this was a trade I saw as a possibility. So, should we move on to Buffalo, the, the main event, I guess? Oh, yeah. It uh, is. One thing that's interesting to me before we get too deep in this, and honestly, I heard this after I thought up this trade, um, which is a little crazy, um, uh, is uh, the 31 Thoughts podcast, our friends, our friends, Jeff, Close and, Jeff friends. and L's. Uh, <laughs> They were talking about how uh, it might be possible that the Sabres would look to add a, a veteran Swede, basically, to help shepherd Rasmus Dahlin through being a human being in <laughs> North America. Um, and all I could think was, give old Dougie a call. That's all I wanted to say. Uh <laughs> No, that I mean, if they if they wanted that, God knows nobody has more veteran Swedes than the Blues. So let's do it, Patrick <laughs> Berglund. As you said, come on down. Uh, but that is not the trade I suggested. <laughs> the trade I suggested would see them receive Joel Edmondson, uh, who is a left-handed defenseman, mm-hmm. correct, and uh, Jake Allen who is a goaltender, <laughs> as many of you have heard, and probably a pick or prospect, uh, probably not of the Cairo first-round pick level, but second-slash-foley-slash, but maybe a bigger thing, because we're getting back a lot. Uh, for Robin Lanier, who is a 26-year-old restricted free agent, 
and Sam Reinhart, who is a 22-year-old restrictive period. He's still young. Wow. He's crazy young. So this is what I'm thinking. The Savers, they have been treading water for like a solid decade now. And in one summer, with this move not being the biggest factor, (laughs) they would go from being a sieve defensively to having the most threatening young defensive core maybe anywhere with a top line of of the Rasmus twins, uh, Darlene and and Ristolainen, and a second line of Joel Edmondson and Zach Bogosian. Uh, who I, I don't know how good Bogosian is. I think he's still pretty okay. All right. um, but that would be a pretty great young mm. top four to build around. Um, so that would be the appeal for them. Jake Allen and Robin Lanier actually have like freakily similar numbers, including in particular, uh, they have each played 219 NHL games. And started 205. <laughs> so that's a little weird. Uh, Allen has a save percentage of 913 to Lanier's 915, uh, but Lanier's goals against average is obviously higher at 282 to Allen's 247. Um, I'm willing to take a gamble that Lanier's a better goalie mm-hmm. with a better defense. Um, but I think that's a little bit of a change of scenery situation where Lanier wasn't great there this year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't terrible, but he just wasn't great. Allen obviously has problems here. But the the reality is for the Sabres that Linus Allmark is coming up for them, and he's supposed to be their goalie of the future. So I don't know how much it matters, whether it's Robin Lanier or whether it's Jake Allen, who's like that guy that protects him. Oh, stop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and we can build the contract with Lanier uh, how we want it. Um and they can afford Allen's cap hit, obviously. And they probably have to pay a similar amount to uh, Lanier because he's doing the exact same numbers, basically. And then Reinhardt, of course, was the second overall pick in 2014, but he really hasn't found traction there. Um, and he just hasn't been the player that he'd hoped that they'd hoped, I think. And he feels like a bit of an outsider in their like young core discussion with middle stat Eichel and and uh Darlene. Um so he may be on the outside looking in. I know he's been discussed as like a very fringe trade candidate before. Uh still he had his first fifty point season this year. Uh, so maybe it's not realistic, but he's also a right-handed shot, and much like Raquel, who we talked about earlier, he might not be a real center, which is his listed position, but we can always find out. So what do you think? What's your trick? What's your big idea, Chief? <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mine's mine's interesting. I it's a lot for maybe a guy that's maybe and not by worth interesting, a lot. Interesting, you mean wrong? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> um, it's for offsetting salary purposes. It gets kind of wonky. I know we could just not care about that, but well, I'm gonna try. So it's Steen, Saboka. That's already enough salary, but they don't want those two players. <laughs> Costin. Okay. And I'm going to say, I said a first, I'm going to say a second now, because that's three whole players for Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, dang. 
because you want the guy with no love of yeah, hockey. Yeah, because he gave up on hockey, and we're gonna reignite that <laughs> fire in him. Uh, we desperately need a center. Fresh that, off a lady day. Yeah, he would go straight to our number one. I like I like Braden Shen. Braden Shen's now our number two C immediately. Ryan O'Reilly's one of the best faceoff guys in the league. Uh, puts up a crazy amount of points in Buffalo with a team that blows. So I can only imagine what he'd do here. I don't care if, if he has instant chemistry with Tarasenko or not. It's just gonna that's gonna be a point boatload immediately. The guy takes no penalties, as we now know. He took a one this year, one, a stick infraction, I believe, a slash or something like that. Uh, it wasn't even that. I'm trying to remember. It was either okay. a delay of game or something silly. Sometimes he gets red mist in the eyes once out of every 82 <laughs> once games. every 300 hours. Um, 3,000 hours. He would definitely help this team. I do not think. I think he is on the trade block for Buffalo, possibly. I think they're still going to be asking for a lot. I think that's another thing that starts with Thomas and you go, no thanks. So maybe it goes down to Cairo and then you see what you can do. But he's, I would love to have him. He's a natural center. He's something we haven't had in a really long time. And if you can keep Thomas, too, and you can have an O'Reilly-Shen-Thomas centering group, I think that would be amazing for this team. It's exciting. It's not going to happen, fun but to it dream. is exciting. Uh, so that's a fun segment. Let us know what you think about these trades or about doing the segment. But since Tommy suggested it, we're just going to bowl right through regardless of mm-hmm. what you think. And it was tons of fun for me to think of this. Think of all these. Uh, you have anything else to add before we sign off? No, not really. I'm just I'm excited that we're in the third round. I'm Like we said, all these options for different Stanley Cup finals are all really interesting. I really don't have a team to hate anymore. Maybe that will be sad in the long run, but I'm glad the Predators are out, as we've just talked about. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm glad it's. I'm really glad it's not the Penguins again. So it'll just be new blood, more or less. I agree. It's fun. It's fun. It's exciting. Hockey's fun again. <laughs> Penguins are dead. It's fun. Uh, no, we we. I meant to talk about, and we can talk about it more in the future. Just it, inc- insanely impressive what the Penguins did the last two years, counting this year, counting the comeback mm. from how bad they were to start the year relative to themselves. Uh, very, really cool. They had but to I'm lose. Glad they lost. They played so much hockey. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. So that'll do us. For that'll do it for us for the evening. We'll be back next week to talk about four playoff games and a lot of other nonsense. <laughs> so until then, uh, thanks for tuning in and adios. Au revoir.